This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences will often show us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. My guest on the show needs no introduction, but will get one anyway. She is Monica Pearson. You all know that Monica was senior anchor for Channel 2 Action News for some 37 years and retired. Can you believe this? in 2012. Monica, thank you so much for, for making some time to talk to me. Oh, you know, I'm always happy to talk to you, Condes. You're Georgia Bulldog, too, you know. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> Absolutely. This week, Americans have marveled at the many firsts that we've witnessed, and we've mourned the losses of legends. Our community continues to struggle with the challenges that we face because of COVID and so much more. We've lost Hank Aaron. And that is huge for our city, isn't it? It's huge for more reason than one. Um, most people, when they think of Hank Aaron, they think of him as hammering Hank, the the baseball giant, you know, who broke Babe Ruth's record. And I can still see him running around the bases and the guy running to him, trying to hug him. But when I think of Hank Aaron, I think of the philanthropist. I think of the man who would love to sit down and just talk to you about anything, particularly what was going on in your life. But he loved to give away money and educate kids. He sent so many children to college, also gave money through the United Negro College Fund. And just even at Morehouse School of Medicine, there's a building over there that will be named for his wife, Billy Suber Aaron. So he was a very giving person. And when you look at his roots from Mobile, Alabama, who would have thought that he would end up being the person that he was? But he never, ever, ever forgot that he came from Mobile. He always talked about the importance of what my mama said of reaching back, pulling up and pushing forward. That if you were successful, it was incumbent upon you to help someone else be successful. And I think that's why his death really hit me hard today because I've known him since the year I moved here in 1975. And I've been tearing my house apart, trying to find this picture of where he was actually in a fashion show with me. He was the person who walked down the runway with me and we were in jogging clothes. I can say I actually jogged with Hank Aaron, but that was our first meeting. But then over the years, he has been, I don't want to say a father figure, because there's just 13 years difference in our age, but he was fatherly. He always had an ear to hear, a shoulder to cry on, and he always had good advice. He and Billy were the absolute best couple. They were just amazing. And my heart really goes out to her. This is, you know, her first husband died. And then Hank, who she's been married to so long, um, now he passes. Uh, he was her life. And I worry about her, to be quite honest. I really do. But, you know, Condis, it's been that kind of day where I've also been thinking about all the people we lost last year. You know, we lost Reverend Lowry, we lost John Lewis, we lost C.T. Vivian, and now we start the year off losing Hank Aaron. But I will say, he was able to live long enough to see a woman of South Asian descent and Black descent become the vice president of the United States of America. He lived long enough to see a black man, Reverend Warnock, 
become the first black senator from the state of Georgia and to see John Ossoff, a millennial, become the first Jewish senator from Georgia. So his life was full. It was full of service. I heard a story, and you will know if this is true, that he met Miss Billy at Channel 2. That's Something true. about the Today in Georgia show. Is, that, is yes. that a true story? That is a true story. That is a very true story. That's how they met on the set of Today in Georgia. He knew quality because when he Because she was a host. She was the hostess <laughs> of the show. And he was immediately smitten. And as they say, the rest is history. I, I worry about, you know, her daughter um, who uh, lived in New Orleans for a long time and is now back in the city of Atlanta. I'm so glad that her daughter is here. And then I'm thinking about her granddaughter, uh, who for a while was in our business. And I don't know if she still is. But yes, Hank Aaron met Billy Suber, actually, at WSB when she was the hostess of Today in Georgia. Smart man, small world. And as you said, we've lost so many giants. At the same time, we're seeing, many would argue, so much progress. Yes. When you were a little girl growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, did you ever think that you'd see the day that you would not only see a black man in Barack Obama elected and sworn in as president of the United States, not once, but twice, and then the history America witnessed this week with the swearing in of Vice President Kamala Harris, your sorority sister? Well, I can tell you, Condice, growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, I was born in 1947, so I went to segregated schools. I lived through a period of segregation. I didn't go to my first integrated school until I was in the fifth grade. So I have seen this country move from colored water fountains and riding on the back of a trailways bus to go see my uncle who was in a veterans hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. I have seen all the changes that have taken place, but never in my wildest dreams did I think a black man would become president of the United States during my lifetime. And that's what my mother said too. And then to have a black woman also of South Asian descent to become the vice president of the United States. She's a first three times. You can't even call her a twofer. <laughs> She's a threefer. And you know, you look at how on one hand we see this rise of white supremacy and you can understand why. You don't agree with it, but you can understand why. Because you see the people you thought you have tried to define as not being intelligent enough and not being go-getters, people you didn't consider your equal, you find they are surpassing you. And in many ways, their history is now being told loudly and clearly so that people know African-Americans, people of African descent, help make this country what it is. So I, I understand the scariness of this for some white people, because it's easy to see we are equal. And in many cases, we are better. And if you are a marginalized, poor white person, seeing a black person with education, moving up the ladder, getting jobs and opportunities you can't get because you don't have the education, it's scary. Particularly if you don't know any black people and you're only going by what you see on television. 
or what someone told you versus what you should know on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So um, no, going up in Louisville, Kentucky, if anyone had told me I'd live long enough to see what I'm seeing now, I would have said, you're crazy. But thanks be to God, <laughs> it happened. And it, it, Condis, it just opens up a world of possibilities for black, brown, and yellow children. Because when they see people like them in positions of authority, in positions of leadership, then it tells them no matter where they are living, no matter what their economic state, if you get an education and don't let people hold you back, by pulling you back, you can do anything you want to do. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying you have the opportunity. In the past, in many cases, there was no opportunity. No one opened the door. Now the door has been opened for everyone. It doesn't matter, as the song goes, if you're yellow, black, brown, red, or white, we are all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So I'm excited because of what has happened. It also tells young white children oh, he's just as smart as I am, or oh, he's smarter than I am, so I need to work a little harder. It is so good to see these mentors. That was the one thing I will tell you when I was watching the inauguration. It was really a picture of what the United States is like. It really was. To look at that podium area and to literally see yellow, brown, black, and white, it was just, it touched me. I, I said, during most of the inauguration crying over the music and over what I saw. Because if any, again, if anyone had ever told me this would happen, I would have said, eh. And I have great hope for the future, great hope for the future because of what I see and what I saw. The diversity, to see Kamala Harris with Doug Imhoff and his children, to see a Catholic man who's 78 and the oldest man elected to the presidency, which goes to show that just because you're old doesn't mean you still can't be a contributor to the betterment of society. There were so many lessons on that podium, so many lessons. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. No, you're not. But as you say that, can we talk about Amanda Gorman, oh, the young poet laureate? Goodness, Amanda Gorman was unbelievable. I kept saying Maya Angelou is in heaven, clapping her hands and dancing up and down and just, just saying that's my child. You know, she was phenomenal. Her words were so perfect. Her delivery, her attire, she gave me such hope just looking at her. And then when she spoke, she commanded the attention of everybody. I was like, you go girl. And I, her mother, I know was beaming from ear to ear, but all of us were beaming from ear to ear. At 22, to have that ability to write and to have that presence, all you can do is say, amen. I'm so proud of her. Like our vice president, you are a member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Can you yes. talk to us about the significance of, of her election, her position now, as it relates to the Divine Nine? Well, first of all, it reminds everyone that the HBCUs, the historically Black colleges and universities, produce quality. It reminds everyone the importance of still having HBCUs. And I think this is going to be a boom in terms of not only having people sign up to go to school there, because, you know, many HBCUs have closed over the last couple of years because of the lack of students. I think you're going to see an increase 
things, particularly at Howard, <laughs> particularly at Howard. But I also think um, when it comes to like Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority, she's an example of what the Divine Nine is all about. And that was when they were founded in the beginning, it was to be of service, particularly for AKA, to be of service to all mankind. And that meant because you were well-educated, it was incumbent upon you to go back into your community and help someone else become well-educated. That's the reason there were debate societies in all of the divine nine. That's why you have right now the sororities and fraternities working within schools, getting people ready to go from high school into college, uh, providing scholarships through cotillions. The sorority and fraternity fraternities were not just for the upper middle class. They were designed to help all Black people who wanted to be college educated. Because you can't be a member unless, as a graduate, unless you graduated from college. I have been a member for 55 years because I joined when I was a freshman. But there are people now who join as into the graduate chapters. And the graduate chapters do such things as getting people out to vote. We're nonpartisan, but we do get people registered to vote. We do get people to the polls. So we are not just about, you know, people think of sororities and fraternities, they think of parties. Black fraternities and sororities, the divine nine, yes, they know how to party, but their parties are with a purpose. <laughs> and the biggest party is to get everybody involved in working to make our communities better. And that's what I love about this. You know, it, it's been so exciting you know, for us AKAs, but it's not just for the AKAs. It's for all of the divine nine. You didn't you didn't pledge, did you, when you were in school? I, w I am a non-Greek. Yes, that is correct. And, and I have thoughts about that uh, often. And, and especially this week, my mom and I were having that same conversation. She says, well, do you regret? And I said, some days, yes. And especially this week, I do. But what I have to tell you, and that's what I was saying, is that now, you know, that's why we're very different from the white sororities and fraternities. We have graduate chapters. You have undergraduate chapters where young people come in while they're in college. And then we have the graduate chapters where people like you <laughs> can become a member. So I'm just planning that. I would sponsor you for membership to Alpha Kappa Alpha in a heartbeat, Kappa Omega chapter. So just put that in your bonnet. We were all decked out in, in our chucks and our pearls on Wednesday. I, I put them on in tribute. Well, we had a lot of Deltas who were wearing their pearls too, because we all are a sisterhood. I was very serious about that kind of. Um, Nicole Carr is an AKA. Anjali Proctor is an AKA. Karen Greer is an AKA. So most of them came in um, in undergraduate chapters like me, but we have a lot of people who came in graduate chapter. So again, I would be more than willing to sponsor you when we have another uh, MIP process. So just put that. Well, about I think that. that's a conversation that we will think about, and I would love love to have. I wanted to talk to you today also because I've got you and it's such a, a treat and a treasure. I saw on your social a couple of weeks ago that, that you had gone through to the Morehouse School of Medicine and you have received the first of your two COVID vaccines. And I wanted to ask you about this because as the vaccine rolled out so quickly and despite the challenges that many states are having with supply, it's important if we all want to return to some semblance of normalcy and leave our homes, 
you've got to get vaccinated. Is that is that Absolutely. what you're saying? I at first was very uncomfortable about getting the vaccine because I grew up in a time where, well, I was told about the Tuskegee experiment where black men were given syphilis and not treated. Um, I was told many times about not walking past the general hospital at night because they needed cadavers and they would grab black people off the street and use them for transplants. So, and then you look at what's happening with the black maternal care. It makes you very suspicious of the health system, the medical system. But then I realized I have a 90 year old woman in my house, my mother-in-law, and that it was extremely important for me to protect her health. Yes, I wear a mask. Yes, I social distance. Yes, I wash my hands to the to the place where they're ashy and I'm wearing lotion all the time, but I needed to do more. My mama used to always say, never be the first to try the new or the last to try the old. Well, enough people had then taken the vaccine. And when John got it, I said, okay, Monica, it's time to do it. So I went, I went to Morehouse, had it done, had no pain. John had a little pain in his muscle. And that's only because I think he tensed up, but I had no pain at all and still haven't had any. Um, because I did it at Morehouse, I got literally every day a note from the CDC going over all the symptoms, asking me if I had had any of them. And I had none. I didn't have sniffles. I didn't have tiredness. I had nothing. I went about my day. So now I'm just waiting to get the second vaccine. And the reason I told people about it is because I think it's important if we all want to get back out and do the things we used to do and hug the people we love to hug, then we need to get the vaccine and we need, even now that I've had the first round of the vaccine, I'm still wearing my mask, still washing my hands, and of course, still socially distancing. And I think when you have people like me and Andy Young and Dr. Sullivan and then Hank Aaron before he passed, getting the COVID vaccine, that gives people a sense of relief and go, well, if they trust it, then I've got to trust it. So I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. And, and even though, I'm glad you did it as well. Yes. And my mom has done it and we're waiting for her to get her second, her second vaccine because she loves seeing me, but yeah. she's ready to go back to church. She's ready yeah. to see her friends, all the things that, that we like to do. So that's very important. And what do you say, especially to us black folks who are skeptical is it be skeptical but don't be stupid and i couldn't and, and, that's, and i really don't like to use that word but it just kind of popped into my head because yes we have to know our history but we also need to plan for our futures there's and enough and enough people have had it now um you know i got the moderna some people have gotten the pfizer and we've had very few cases of you know people getting really really sick from it so i would say you know come on it's for your own protection i love the the statement that they use at morehouse when it comes to the injection the, to the vaccine their statement is simply this for me for you, for us, that vaccination is for you, for me, for you, for us. And it's the same reason for wearing the mask, it's for me, for you, for us. And so I say, don't wait to the last minute because the longer you wait, 
the longer it's going to take us to get back to normal. And I'm so excited about President Biden um, making sure there's going to be more PPE and then bringing the de the Defense Act up so that we can produce more vaccine. I am so excited. So hopefully by this time next year, you and I will be sitting next to each other talking about things versus Zooming about it. Monica, you seem entirely liberated and free to speak your mind now that you are no longer sitting behind the anchor desk. Is that a fair assessment on my part? I was muzzled for actually, let's see, I started in television in 1973. I was muzzled from 1973 to 2012, and now I am free. It really bothers a lot of people that I speak my mind, but I've decided I've earned the right to tell people what I think. You don't have to agree with me. Let's just not be disagreeable about it. Let me hear what you have to say, and I'm going to listen to you so that I understand your position. But I want you to listen to me so you can understand my position so that maybe we can come to a compromise. Most people listen to wait for their turn to speak or to defend themselves. I want us to be open and honest talking about matters of race, economics, gender equality, openly and honestly. And I think when we understand each other, really understand, then we can get to that beloved community that Dr. King talked about. So yeah, I, I, I will just put it this way. Um, the muzzles come off. <laughs> You are a delight. I love that you are my friend. I love that we are Bulldog alums. And we didn't even stop to talk about that this year, this month still oh, marks yes. 60 years when Charlene and Hamilton Holmes, uh, you know, integrated or desegregated the University of Georgia. My undergraduate degree is from there. Your graduate degree is from there. It has been, um, uh, the times they are changing. I do truly believe that. And you know, we still have people around who lived it. You know, we lost Hamilton Holmes, but we still have Charlene. And she is just a gold mine of information. And then we have Mary Frances Early, who was the first black graduate of the University of Georgia. And she's working on a book that will hopefully be out by this time next year. So you know, I'm so glad that we still have these treasures with us. And I'm gleaming as much information from Mary Frances as I can about UGA back then. So I'll be the first one to buy her book. But yes, I'll I'm be right behind you, number two. Yeah, I'm very proud of being a bird dog. It, both, both of my schools are, are red and black. Uh, the University of Louisville, the Louisville Cardinals, and of course, the UGA Georgia Bulldogs, red and black. Monica Pearson, the microphone is always open to you here on Perspectives. I can't thank you enough for making time to share with me and with our listeners. I do look forward to sitting next to you soon, hugging your neck. Man, I miss that. And uh, we'll get together real soon. I hope so, Condice. And thank you. This is what, year 30 for you with Perspectives? How many years? 33. This is year 33. This is year 33. You are season 33, episode three. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condis Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.